0: This is where
1: Texas politics gets interesting. Here again are two guys named Jason, some great guests, and cold Texas beer for another smart conversation on Yolitics, the unofficial political podcast of Texas. Hey guys everybody. We always do this. Uh, when we're in person, too, and we can see the other person taking a breath and getting ready to talk, and yet we still continue.
0: And we haven't really started drinking yet. It's either. because
1: we're excited. I have started drinking, actually. That's uh, the reason. Though. I'm about a third of the way down my glass. Uh, we are at a place called On Rotation Brewery and Kitchen. And Kitchen. You're holding up the phone to me to give yeah. me the exact title. I forgot yeah. about the kitchen, even though I have ordered it's something it's right from there. the
0: kitchen. It's right there. The kitchen's to your right. And I've ordered. Yeah. Already?
1: Um, I have. Um, and uh, we're right in the shadows of, Lo- of Love Field, uh, the uh, very convenient airport right there and uh, close to downtown Dallas.
0: Th- this is the old Braniff compound. Remember Braniff?
2: Yeah. Did you ever fly Braniff? You're no, I did guy. not. You're, I'm not old you're enough for guy, that. Are you so kidding? You, you so may have. my mother worked for Braniff. Your mom did? And really? she was a flight attendant for Braniff, Flying College. What? So when you go to the museum right yeah. over here, which is just about half frontiers a quarter, of flight museum frontiers down the street, flight, here. there's a Braniff exhibit there, and they show all of the <laughs> clothes that they wore, the Braniff airplane, uh, the history of Braniff. It's a fascinating story. But I remember as a kid, I was six seven eight years old and my mother was flying all over the country and the world as a brand of Airlines awesome has she been to the
1: museum to be able to see like relive
2: you know I tried to get her to go up there and she hasn't yet but she is planning on going up there and seeing it
1: so who is this
0: voice you might be asking It's another Jason. It's another Jason. A third Jason. Jason Vialba, former state representative. (laughs) He's an attorney in Texas, longtime friend of the Politics Podcast and of Inside Texas Politics.
1: And we've had you on before. We pull you in every now and then. We're like, Jason Vialba is a person to talk to for this. Uh, And this is another one of those. Uh, But we've never done this in person with you out at a place like this.
2: Well, I've always come in on election night. And you're kind enough to invite me to spend time. during the election coverage to talk about what might be happening. Jason and I have spent time on Inside Texas Politics on a number of issues when I was a a member of the legislature and we also decided it would be a good idea for our young sons to go hit golf balls together. So we've done that. So I'm a friend of the of the show. I'm a friend of the guys here and I'm thankful uh, for the opportunity to come on and anytime I can be of service guys I hope uh, you invite me. Uh, I always love spending time here. This is my first time here. I and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. Great. I didn't
1: know about this either. Our, our producer, Daryl, uh, knows of all these places, and he's exposing us a little bit at a time. What did uh, you get to drink, by the uh,
2: way? You know, I got this Lake Highlands Brew. Now, I know Lake Highlands has their own um, brewery. Uh, this is called the Mechanical Grizzly. It's up, I forget where it is, but I know it's in Lake Highlands. I love it. Uh, the Lakewood Mechanical Grizzly, and it's great. What do you have in there, Jace? I'm having a uh, real ale.
0: It's a pilsner. It's a lighter beer. I, I, I don't do the, the dark ones like you guys. You guys have two dark beers over there. Uh,
1: I, 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 I bet I surprised you with my choice today. I'm having the on rotation jalapeno saison. Is that wow. how you pronounce it, saison? I have no idea. I it's probably saison. It I have kept, no idea. Because it is French. Yeah, it is, is it? probably saison because it's French, but it's it's a French beer with uh, jalapeno. Aftertaste, And it's, it's very subtle, but it's it, delicious.
0: So the, the reason we're, we, uh, we asked Jason Villalba to join us for this podcast is because there's something in the news. And it's kind of been in the background, kind of simmering for a while. But Texas is really talking about creating something called business courts. Mm-hmm. You know, other states have 25 other states have them. I had no idea right. half the country has these. And Texas, which bills itself as the business state, doesn't, doesn't have, have these. It. Delaware's had theirs since what 1792 mm-hmm. they're called the chancery courts mm-hmm. there but now uh, I was at an event with Governor Abbott what 10 days ago and he said hey we've got to have business courts because companies are leaving this state we've got to make sure that we keep them here not just with low taxes and less regulation but also a way to let them solve their disputes mm-hmm. now I start thinking well What does this mean? Why isn't the current court system good enough? And I I think I called you or you you reached out to me afterwards. You said, well, I I proposed this eight years ago in 2015. Walk us through what you proposed and how similar that is to what's up for discussion right now. So
2: I'm a lawyer. Uh, I'm a business lawyer. And I started uh, my law firm practice way back in the day. I decided that I was going to be a business lawyer now for our listeners as our listeners at home uh, you probably like a
1: moneymaker well, you
2: probably think you know all lawyers go to court it's every it's going to look a lot like uh, like what you see on television it's right Matlock or no. you know, law, whatever law the television programs yeah. law and order but it's not like that it's, it's split into two. you've got the litigators that go to court and you've got business lawyers like myself who are focused mainly on doing transactions with large companies so a big company needs to finance a new acquisition a new company wants to sell a part of its company a new an old company wants to disperse its assets any number of things it will need lawyers for and what do they do they essentially draft contracts to accomplish these different things right as a young lawyer growing up and during law school we all have to take corporate law that's one of the things we do and we learn quickly that there's a state Delaware Delaware that has the sort of Carte Blanche focus on law, and I always wondered about that. Why is Delaware so important? This tiny state with a tiny population right. is the corporate is the state of incorporation for the largest corporations in the country. Right. From from AT&T to American Airlines to Goldman Sachs to all these companies, they're all incorporated in this tiny state in Delaware. Well, why? Well, it's because Delaware has the oldest, the most established court system that focuses on disputes between business companies. They decided way back in the 1700s that that was going to be their area. They set up a court and they decided we're only going to focus on business issues. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was the court became very much an expert in very complicated business matters. If you and I, Jason, rightly have a dispute and I, I run over your toe at the local football game I uh, of my car when I'm backing out. I'm suing, definitely. You're suing yeah. me. We're having, we're having a problem. It's His a, neck hurts all of a it's sudden. It's very simple. You describe what happened. I describe what happened. The judge in the court determines that, okay, we know what happened here. Let's make something fair and equitable. If a giant corporation like AT&T and a giant corporation like Southwest Airlines i decide to get into a conflict with either a shareholder or one of its board members or with each or, other or each other then those comp- those kinds of conflicts are often very complex things like shareholder deriv- derivative suits right what does that even mean most people wouldn't know but what it means is that shareholders for a major corporation can sue other corporations on behalf of the corporation derivatively hmm. That's, that's lots of words for saying it's a complicated mess. So that happens <laughs> and, now in the so court that, that, system, that,
1: and what, what happens so, if, if that happens in the current court system? So
2: what we do now in the corporate, corporate the court system is we send it through the regular court system in Texas, and look what's wrong with that. One? Our judges are smart, they're capable, yeah. they're effective, and they know what they're doing. But what ends up happening is all of the business matters and disputes are in the same courts as the the person that got run over by a truck or the other matters or jason
1: with his toe or jason with his toe so
2: our courts are so overcrowded that it's taking months if not years to have these disputes settled and when they are get get, getting before a court what ends up happening often is the juries or the judge has to do a lot of research to get up to speed and up to date it becomes very expensive Hmm. so what corporations decide is you know what texas just is a great state and we love it here but we're we want to settle our disputes in New York or in Delaware. Well,
0: let me ask you that, that. That's one of the ideas behind this, because we already have a lot of businesses in Texas. We already have I low mean, regulations. Abbott
1: talks about it every chance he gets. Right.
0: And is, is the whole point of this to speed things up, but is the whole point also to bring some of these big suits
2: to this state, to try them in this state as opposed to Delaware? Well, not big suits. Big companies who want to be certain that they're going to understand what the results of these disputes might be. The one thing about Delaware that we know, if there's a dispute between two big companies or a shareholder in a company, is there's what's called precedent, right? right. Long-standing law sure. that can give guidance as to what will happen upon the occurrence of this conflict and how the court's going to settle it. In Texas, we don't have that. Business loves predictability. Business loves predictability because they, they will know what's going to happen if we get into this problem. And some states are friendly towards business, some states are less friendly towards business. Texas is agnostic because Texas doesn't have a business system. Now you might ask, well, hmm. well uh, what other states have business courts? Is it just Delaware or New York? No, 22 other states. Oh, 22. 22 okay. states, well, it's 29 states have complex litigation. Hmm. So complex litigation means uh, things that are very complicated, much more so than the, the run over toe, right? Um, those courts can, settle these kinds of business disputes. But 22 states have these very refined, very specialized business courts where the judges are specialized in their knowledge and understanding of the kinds of disputes they're going to face. That means that all of these business cases that are clogging up our district courts can now be removed to a business court where these disputes can be solved quickly and efficiently and with some understanding of what the outcomes will likely be. So if
1: Delaware is considered the gold standard for this sort of thing because they've been around for so long with these business courts, how is Delaware benefiting from having that? What what is Texas losing out on that Delaware has? That's a good question. Wheeler, I'm impressed, man. Every now and then I come up with one. Well, Well
2: Delaware, as you know, is the state where all of these disputes will be ultimately settled. Now, some of them can be settled in the location where the dispute occurred, but most of them are going to be done in Delaware courts. That means their court system is going to be very active on cases, not only around the country, but around the world, right? Because a lot of companies that come in from other parts of the world will incorporate in Delaware, meaning their court system is going to be filled with these kinds of disputes. That means judges. That means lawyers. That means the whole ecosystem around the business law court has developed in Delaware where literally cities are developed around this ecosystem, right? Mm. So you've got Wilmington, Delaware, the capital. The capital of Delaware is important, but it's the business court that truly drives the economy in that state. And from our standpoint in the, Texas... The, the business
0: court drives the economy in that state? The,
2: the business court is Absolutely. one of the primary drivers of the economy in a state like Delaware. There's just no way, to, there's no way other than tourism and, and the government. That's, a lot of
1: high-paying jobs. Uh, a lots, a lot lots of, of
2: high-paying lawyers, lots of expertized lawyers, lots of people that understand uh, this area. And so from, te- from a Texas lawyer standpoint, let's say I represent... Uh, Southwest Airlines, are uh, right across the, sure. the way from where right we are. Next door from us, yeah. If if I represented them and we had to go to court, we would likely have to go to Delaware, somewhere in Delaware. We'd probably end up spending months in Delaware. Now, if, if I'm working for a large law firm, which I do, there's going to be a number of my associates, my paralegals, my people that are go there. We're going to stay in hotels. We're going to eat out. We're going to probably, if it's a major matter of litigation, we're going to live there for six months. And we're wow. going to be there disputing this. And on the other side, the other side is doing it too. So now, Delaware made a good decision now, mul- way back when. Well, multiply that by, you know, ten thousand, and that's where huh. it look. That's what it looks like. Now, what if but, I, what if I could tell Southwest, Southwest, wouldn't it be better if we could solve your concerns and disputes in Dallas or in Houston or in Austin or in San Antonio? Wouldn't that be better? That way, your lawyers can go home at night. They don't have to spend all that money. They don't have to eat out every night. And we could have, you can have the comfort of knowing that the judge that is looking at these or the judges that are looking at these very complicated issues are equally capable as the smartest people in the country in Delaware are. And so that's is what, that
0: what is that what it's all about then? Because you can go right now. Let's say you represented
2: Southwest. You could go to court if you wanted in Texas. I could. I could, but you might have a I might longer have, on the docket uh, uh, to, to well, be heard. It, or, number uh, one, it would take longer because that would be and jammed. you wouldn't have the judges with I'd the expertise. Be up? Well, they might have the expertise. They certainly are. Look, well, let me make it very clear because this has been one of the controversies around this bill. We recognize, or well, I recognize, when I wrote this bill initially back in 2015, that our judges are the top in the world. They're smart. They're capable. They're educated. They're effective. That doesn't necessarily mean that they have the expertise on these matters. I'll give you an example. If you, on that toe that was just messed up, because I ran over it, went to Parkland to make sure that I was taken care of, would you just want anybody to like take a look at that toe? Would you ask for a gastroenterologist? Would you ask for a person that worked on child heart diseases? Or would you ask for a podiatrist? You'd ask for a podiatrist, why? Not because the other doctors weren't smart or capable, because the podiatrist has spent nothing but learning about how to fix broken toes that Jason ran over in the parking lot. I'll right? tell you
1: this, uh, Whiteley is gonna ask, ask for the neck specialist actually, because it's his <laughs> neck that's hurting all of a sudden after he ran over his toe. <laughs> let me, let
2: me. me wanna... One more thing too, to, to talk, to, to follow up on this point. And why it's important too, is because we know in Texas, We've already done this. We've done this with probate law, family law. We've done this with veterans law. We've done this with high-level felony law. We've got specialized courts all over the state of Texas, but we don't have the one state court that's specialized to deal with these kinds of very important, very complicated issues. How much does the
1: Texaco case uh, play into this though too when you have juries in the past who have come back with these verdicts that are enormous uh, price tags for these companies. How much does that play into it for, for a business to be able to go in and know that, okay, this is gonna be a savvy business court. We might not get necessarily the kind of reaction from a jury in, in, in this case.
2: Now, remember this. We're not saying juries will go away. You know, and I remember when I wrote this. The one thing I looked at: the Constitution of the state of Texas requires that in any dispute in Texas, we must have a jury of our peers uh, to be able to look at it. Now, even it, in business court, even in the business court, we've got a jury. Now, do I know
1: for sure that that'll happen?
2: Now, that well, here, well, it, it's written in the bill. So, okay. if, if the bill passes, the answer is there will be access to a jury. But remember, if you've got two major business companies going head to head. The chances of them opting for a jury are low, right? These aren't going to be the the litigation style cases that, uh, like Texaco, that will end up in the business courts. Those kinds of situations where you've got a a mass uh, malpractice kind of thing or an right. issue with with uh, oil and gas or whatever, some something like. A, I, what do you receive on the television when somebody has a right. uh, dispute around like a class know, action? Some class, um, class action. Those classic litigation matters will remain likely uh, with the jury in Texas courts. So ordinary courts.
1: Strictly business versus th- business. Th-
2: we're talking about business matters that are highly, highly technical, highly specialized. Where the business parties are so sophisticated, they want a jury or a judge who is knowledgeable about what they face to be able to address these conflicts.
0: You guys keep bringing up Texaco, and for our listeners who might not know what happened in 1985, explain what happened in 1985, how Texaco lost, what, $10 billion, I believe. Go ahead, Wheeler, with your full mouth. Go ahead, go ahead, do you wanna chime in? I
1: just took a bite. (laughs) I used to do that to people when I waited tables, by (laughs) the way. How's how's everything going as soon as everybody (laughs) takes a big bite?
0: They lost $10 billion in 85. This eventually led to Texaco's uh, demise, demise. Mm-hmm. yeah, and and is realistically is that is that an outlier, or are there really corporate executives who are concerned that that could happen again?
2: I can tell you that's not the driver behind this bill. Right, there are always going to be situations where a group of plaintiffs hire a, an amazing lawyer like Joe Jamail um, and bring action against a major corporation and succeed. Right. Uh, that's a part of our court system. And in certain instances, a good example will be what happened in Ohio a couple of weeks back. There are going to be lawsuits. And, the train derailment. You know, train, the train derailment. There are going to be some people uh, who are going to be sued and some companies that are going to be sued. And they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And they're going to lose because they created a situation where there was negligence. And look, corporations are not angels all the time, right? They obviously work for the best Uh, Of creating profits and jobs for people but look there are some bad actors just as there are bad actors in every industry uh, business has some bad actors and so that kind of litigation that kind of plaintiffs work will remain in those courts what we're talking about here is a way to make more efficient those disputes among sophisticated parties who just have uh, disagreements that are business in nature.
1: I want to ask you this uh, because, you know, you're familiar with this bill that has uh, now been put before the legislature. Um, and, and and I saw something not that long ago from the Texas Judicial Council, which I'm sure you're familiar with, mm-hmm. which, you know, basically the members of this are appointed by the heads of all three branches of government here mm-hmm. in Texas. So it's a, it's a respected organization. Yes. Uh, it, you know, a lot of what they said was, you know, that this should, look like it's under the purview of the texas supreme court that you know maybe they create sort of a pilot business court uh for this complex litigation and kind of oversee it see how this goes etc is that something that we're likely to see or is this something that right out of the gates is going to just be created as its own thing and uh you know be
2: off and running you know when i initially proposed this bill in 2015 uh, there was resistance from that organization and from a number of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was one of the complaints. We should, have a pl- we should have a pilot. Actually, the pilot program was only suggested in later iterations uh, of the bill. In my year, it was it was categorically rejected by a number of different groups like this, just saying we didn't need it in Texas, all the arguments you would expect. Um, over the course of time, I think they've come off of that. And now the pilot program idea is a way to... Uh, present this as an opportunity, but I think really the momentum is, is moving in a, in a direction where we're going to see something past this session. Here's why. Number one, the governor of Texas, Governor Abbott, who I think is very thoughtful about uh, business issues like this, has made it a priority item for us, for, for Texas. Number two, the secretary, the, the, uh, gosh, the, um, yesterday we saw Dade Phelan um, the Speaker of the House make this a priority item for the Texas House. He's chosen Andrew Murr, mm-hmm. who is one of the most capable members in the uh, Texas House, carry this and they labeled it HB House Bill 19. Now, for, again, for our listeners at home, when you label the bill, uh, from 1 to 20, you know that these are the top priority bills of the state of Texas this year. I love talking to a
1: former lawmaker because you, <laughs> you get down in the weeds on stuff like this. The rest of us usually don't think about that. So because it's labeled 19, that is that significant.
2: R- remember, 3,000 bills are filed every year in the Texas legislature. And how many pass? Only about twelve to 1,300 pass in any given year. But when you have the top you know, 1 through 5, for instance, the budget is going to be $1. Or two, right? right? So bill, bu- number, bill number one or bill number bill two. Bill number one or two, depending on which house will ultimately put it out. But that is going to be uh, the number one issue for all of Texas. That's what the legislature goes down there. You know, three through 20 are what the governor and the Speaker of the House and Lieutenant Governor believe are important for Texas. Mm-hmm. They've identified that this issue, creation of a business court, is one of the most important issues that faces Texas. And it will create jobs it will bring industry and business and economy to the con- to the state and it will, will make this con- this state which is already the ninth largest economy in the world yeah. not the country the ninth largest economy in the world surpassing even italy even stronger even better than what we are today but why now uh, and, and don't you ask that question you know you
1: you banged your head against the wall for years you you proposed this oh. what eight years ago. Why now? What, what's different now?
2: You know, what I've learned about the legislature when I served, uh, and it was the honor of a lifetime to serve in the Texas legislature and to be able to shape these kinds of conversations. What I learned about the legislature is that moving mountains is something that takes multiple sessions. You do it one, one rock at a time. Uh, yeah, yeah. What I proposed was tectonically disruptive, right? When I proposed this bill in 2015, I was laughed at. Uh, it was not something that it was that was even likely. I remember uh, in the court hearings for it, people scoffed at the idea. We had everybody coming against us, but I knew it was the right idea. The governor had the vision uh, at the time to same see, governor uh, same governor to see that it was smart. Uh, in the following year, uh, Jeff Leach, uh, chairman of judiciary carried it, he saw the vision, and then we had um, some other folks carry it, one more iteration, and then Andrew Murr, and then now it's become a priority issue. So what we saw back then as being important, and again, this comes from my practice as a lawyer, right? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a business lawyer. You live this. I, I, I live it in my life. I know why we need this, and it wasn't nefarious. We weren't trying to take away uh, the the good cases from the courts like was argued we were just trying to do something that made Texas better and stronger so I do think it's going to happen I think there's going to be a lot of support for it I think you're gonna see the implementation of the business court uh, this year
0: insiders tell me yeah the same thing some version of this is going to pass these are pretty high up people I mean you know you know these names as well but they say some version will pass I was with Governor Abbott as I mentioned a little earlier uh, when he was at the Arlington Chamber of Commerce recently And uh, let me read out something he said, because I jotted this down. It kind of threw me off. He said, our court system in our large cities is a travesty of justice, and it's running businesses out. You may be a CEO, the governor said, but when you turn things over to 12 jurors, you are no longer CEO. We need to have the intellectual, methodical approach that is deserving of these business disputes. If we pass this, I'm going to have one task, Governor Abbott said. I'm gonna to have to build a wall around Texas to keep people from storming our state, to keep businesses from storming our state. Are, are we really driving businesses out because we don't have business courts in this state? And I would have asked the governor this question, but he wasn't talking to reporters that day. So it's, it's on you, Jason. Uh,
2: look, this, that, that kind of rhetoric I think is important uh, when you start to articulate the importance of this. He had to uh, use a little hyperbole uh, to talk about why this issue matters. When you and I talk about business courts and we talk about the esoteric nature of jurisdiction and shareholder derivative suits and all these fancy words, most people who are people like us, ordinary Texans, their eyes glaze over, they don't care, it's like, you know, businesses are businesses, whatever. So you have to, as a a person like the governor who's championing this bill, you have to talk in those ways that really identify why this is important, why this matters. And I think the rhetoric that he used w- was doing that. I, I, I don't think people are going to uh, you know, storm the, we're not, we're not losing businesses uh, left and right uh, if we don't have this bill. If this bill doesn't pass, we're not gonna lose you know, the different companies that are already here. That's not going to happen.
0: Jason, I covered the Enron trial of, of Jeff Skilling and Ken Lay back in 2006 in Houston. That was federal court, it was a little different. But it was a jury and, and they sat through and I sat through what was, you know, waist deep stuff, heady stuff you're talking about on why these guys should go to prison for, for you know, inflating the company's business. Hmm. They got it. It wasn't a specialized court. They got it. You know, these regular Houstonians got it who, who were
2: selected in the federal jury pool. Why couldn't anybody else get it? Today. A Co- couple of questions I'll ask you. Number one, how long do you think that trial It
0: lasts I covered it from gavel to gavel. It it lasts I want to say three or four months. Or four it months. lasted
2: forever. So in, the second question I have is how long do you think from the moment that those things those bad things happened to the moment they got to court was? Yeah, the
0: federal prosecutors, I mean I'm sure they worked on the case for
2: well, I know they worked on the case probably three years. Three years. So you're talking three years and then another three or four months. We're talking for a company like Enron to have their day in court to three to five years and that was because it was such a high-profile case the other question I would ask you is what kinds of disputes did they have these guys were doing things that were obviously bad right so I think in that instance when you have a court system like that that is so obvious that, or, or when you have a, a, a dispute that's so obvious right black or white or there's not lot of gray area sending those courts to the regular court system is not something that I would dispute and again, the business court is not set up exclusively for those kinds of obvious disputes, right? It's set up for those kinds of disputes that are much more subtle and much more complicated and much less likely to be so black and white and deal with human beings and things like valuation of stock. I so mean, the
0: business courts in Texas, if this passes, wouldn't handle things like you know employees suing the company on something or... They'd handle the, the, the it, it, more business issues between so companies. So again,
2: maybe. not to get too technical, but there's something called removal, right? So if you're a plaintiff and you sue a company, yeah. you would say, I want this, this case to be sued in a trial court in Texas. And then the business would come back and say, under the Texas business law, we believe that this court should be removed to the business court. And why would they do that? Well, because they think they're probably going to have better treatment in the business court. Now, then there has to be the discussion about whether or not there's jurisdiction, right? Can this dispute end sure. up in the business court? And doesn't make the most sense, right? Is this one of those matters where it makes sense to remove it from the trial court to the business court? So the plaintiff still has the opportunity to make their case that it needs to belong in the regular old court system, right? The business might say, "Mm, this needs to be in the business court and here's why. And that's ultimately up for a judge to make the determination as to where it goes, just like you have in any removal situation. So I think you'll see a lot of that with respect to these kinds of matters. But the kinds of matters that I envision that you're going to see here are going to be these shareholder disputes around whether or not a company is focused on maximizing profits or helping the environment, right? It's going to be those kinds of really granular nitty-gritty issues that will come up that a business court is more appropriate to answer from things like valuation. Or how about this, a merger and acquisition transaction that's gone bad. Somebody sells a company, they think it's worth $10 million, but it's really worth $100 million, but they feel like they were snowed, and so they want to talk about valuation. I mean, valuation is a very technical and a very, dark art to understand (laughs) it's probably not something that you know 12 folks from cleburne texas are going to be really comfortable having conversations about right they might they might they're knowledgeable and educated enough to do it but why not send it to a guy who's a PhD from Stanford Business School who can tell us exactly what that means, right? I I talked
1: with another group that you're probably very familiar with,
2: having uh, proposed this kind of bill before,
1: the Texas Trial Lawyers Association. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the things, and and traditionally, they have opposed these kinds of measures. Uh, One of the reasons they say is because they're, you know, they're they're adamant about the ability to have jury trials. They Mm -hmm. wanna make sure that that's included. Uh, but another reason that they said was because they're con- they're concerned and they're not speaking about this particular bill because they haven't necessarily seen the text of this. They don't know what might pass in this session, but they're very concerned about the notion of the governor having the power to appoint judges for this you know, specific kind of court, this business court. They say, you know, we like that tradition of judges being elected and accountable to the voters, we worry about you know a slippery slope when you start appointing judges. What are your thoughts on that?
2: Well, there's no question that that, I think, is the primary source of controversy on this bill. When we initially wrote the bill, uh, we knew that this was going to be uh, the area where uh, it would become a sticking point. Elected judges versus appointed judges. Now, as you know, the Texas Supreme Court is elected uh, the appellate court judges elected? Now, there are some appointed judges, but primarily the in the Texas court system, uh, you've got elected judges. So here we're appointing. You might wonder, well, why did we decide to go that direction? Well, we decided to go that direction because we knew that appointed judges would be the ones that would be most qualified. Professors and in in, in in local colleges, uh, people who have been practitioners in the law. These are people that we would identify and we would we would point out and we would we would point them to. Uh, these courts. We knew that those would be the ones qualified. But in in the first iteration of the bill, we decided, you know what? Let's let's pun. Let's let it be elected. We'll just require uh, that they should be experts in order to run. Mm -hmm. Now that piece is now gone. So the current version of the bill, it's back to appointed. And so look, that's going to remain a source of concern for some because in Texas, we have historically done that. Now I'll say this. The way the current bill is proposed now, you you appeal the business court situation, our uh, business court decisions, to the appellate court and then to the supreme court. Mm-hmm. Both the appellate court and the supreme court are elected. Mm-hmm. So if you really feel you know like you were you were abused at the business court as a plaintiff because of appointed judge. Well, you're going to get your day with uh, uh, the Supreme Court, which is elected at some point in time, or the appellate court elected. Mm-hmm. So there's a way uh, for you to have a remedy if you are able to appeal. Now, right. if there's no appeal, there's no appeal. Yeah. So, right.
1: and, and I was reading about that too. So uh, just to be uh, clear here, uh, there's also been some word put out there on the internet that, you know, as part of this, they would set up a special business appellate court as well, And there was concern that, you know, uh, we've seen uh, in in Dallas and Houston, particularly during the past two elections, Democrats winning, uh, you know, a a fair number of, uh, you know, uh, judicial positions uh, in those appellate courts and that this is a way to get around those Democratic uh, appellate judges.
2: So uh, my original proposal had an appellate court that was a business appellate court. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was what I envisioned uh, for the bill when I wrote it. It morphed over time so that the current bill would appeal to the the newly designed 15th Circuit, which is a complex litigation appellate court.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Look, I'm not in the legislature anymore, so I don't have a say. Um, To me, that that works fine. Um, But there there will be some people who believe that because of the partisan nature of politics, that having any appointment of of a business court or a court uh, at the appellate level would be uh, partisan in nature and the governor, if he's a Republican, would appoint Republicans and and do the bidding of Republicans. Now, I will say this. I'm, I'm not uh, Pollyannish or disingenuous. Hmm. I know that a Republican governor is more likely to appoint uh, people to courts that are more likely to lean one direction, right? That being said, because of the way that we drafted the qualifications for an appointee at the business court or any appellate court level, because they have to be qualified and meet certain standards, it would be much more difficult to be purely partisan when you say that you're gonna pick somebody that's on your side of the political aisle, right? Because these people have to have 25 years experience in business Mm -hmm. or be professors in business or be a judge who solely looks at business, right? You can't really pick and choose Cherry-picking Republicans from that smaller universe is going to be much more difficult. So I I would say that that should give uh, the critics some comfort, as well as the fact that ultimately you can appeal up to the Supreme Court, which is a purely elected Texas court. A little bit off topic,
1: but uh, just as a former legislator and a lawyer, do you think we should have R's and D's next to a, a judge's name on a ballot in the first place? There are some who go all the way up the top of the flagpole in in, in this state who, who have questioned that.
2: I proposed a bill when I was in the legislature to eliminate uh, partisanship from j- the judiciary completely. And why? Well, because I just don't think if you're settling disputes between what is right and what is wrong under the law, or what is good and what is bad under the law, should have any implication, or your politics shouldn't have any implication on that. Whether or not you're a Republican or a Democrat shouldn't affect your decision as to whether or not uh, something is right or wrong under the law. For instance, in, 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 you know, the, in the professional baseball league, we don't ask our umpires which party they're from. Mm. You know, they call balls and strikes. You know, um, and that's how I think our judges should be calling balls and strikes. Mm.
0: Good point. My last question here is how soon would something like this be set up if this passes by May 31st? And secondly, what what does it physically look like? Are there going to be new buildings built for business courts or are they going to take up a floor of the civil courthouse or something like that? Or do
2: they travel around the state? Yeah. So the original idea of the business court, this is funny because I wrote it before COVID. uh, The original idea was that we would use for the business court existing buildings existing courtrooms, and we would be at the bleeding end of the technology for what would be online uh, hearings and depositions and court hearings. Now, this is before Zoom. Zoom, right. This is before wow. Zoom and before Teams. And I envision having a Zoom and a Teams-like environment for uh, an issue where you've got you know, somebody in Dumas, Texas, who has a dispute down in the Rio Grande Valley. I mean, come on, having that person fly or drive down there to take a half a day to get down there was just impossible so how about having you know the ability to zoom in or in in this case at that time of FaceTime live or whatever so we envisioned that I think in the early days of the business court it will likely be uh, piggybacking on the existing court system and the existing court buildings and rooms Um, there probably won't be a new building anytime soon Uh, my guess is over the course of time as the Business court gets more established, it probably will have its own building just as the appellate courts and the Supreme Court uh, in Texas does. It'll have that uh, building down in Austin. There'll probably be an Austin one, and it probably will travel uh, through circuit. You know, a Dallas, Houston, Austin, San Antonio, El Paso, RGV. I love it. Tyler. So I think you'll probably have that kind of a, a circuit court uh, eventually. If it passes uh, this cycle, usually our bills come online by September of the following year, as I recall. Uh, so it'll be a year before we probably start to see the initial setup. Um, you know, I wrote the bill with a zero fiscal note, meaning it's not going to cost the state a dime. Mm. Everything that we're going to do will be done with fees for people that want to be at the court. So if mm. you're a business and you want to be in the business court, you know, you're going to pay your free. So it won't cost the state of Texas a, a dollar in taxes. Um, you know, again, we're not building a new building, so there's no there's no uh, sources there, and and the, the judiciary would be paid. That would be the only amount. Uh, that would come out of the, the the treasury to pay for the judiciary. Is the current would,
0: bill like that too, with, with Representative Murray? The
2: current the current bill, I don't know. He just filed it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, so we'll 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 see what it looks like. But that's that's the way it's drafted.
1: But you were ahead of, ahead of your time on that, envisioning something that was like Zoom or Teams. I I do hope
2: that you invested as those came online in the very beginning. You know what? I did not. Oh, I did goodness. I did put some money in the stock market. Uh, during the, 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 the nadir yeah. of the pandemic, and so I did quite well, but it wasn't in Zoom or or, or Teams. Na- nadir is a word that we don't use often yeah. enough. I love that word. Expertized uh, is another one you dropped on us earlier. The, the too. lowest of the yes. low points
1: is the nadir, <laughs> as me. opposed to the apex, which is the highest. I love this. We're getting smarter here. Uh, all right. Last question for you from me: uh, As as the legislature is, you know, chewing on all of this old familiar stuff that you were, you know, putting out there eight years ago. I do wonder, you know, all these years later, do you miss it? Or do you look at it like, ah, oh, that was a different time in my life,
2: I, I, I have no desire to go back to that. You know, I miss these kinds of discussions. You know, the heady it discussion. It changed a lot though, didn't it? it well, yeah, you know, I, I always separate the politics of it, which was brain damage for me, uh, with the policy uh, that I was able to shape. Um, having that ability to have a voice on an issue like this, where I could actually make a difference, right? To me, that was very meaningful. But to campaign and have people say nasty things about me and me say nasty things on Twitter about everybody else or whatever, that was never fun. And I I don't miss that at all. But I do miss having the ability to have a conversation. A great example would be my school marshal bill, right? I wrote school marshal, uh, after Sandy Hook, that's my first. Tell
0: people what that is. They may they, they may not remember, but it's, it's
2: so school marshal. It's around now. The, the school marshal bill I wrote is my very first bill as a freshman in the Texas Legislature, and it became the model that Texas now uses to to have law enforcement officers inside of schools mm-hmm. during the time of a crisis. So these are people who are largely undercover. Uh, they're trained. Uh, they go through background checks, and they're armed. And if there's a situation in the school where somebody is an active shooter, these people can activate and they can confront and neutralize a shooter immediately. Now you might ask, well, how popular was that bill? Well, I I passed the bill um, and it wasn't an HB 20 or below. Mm -hmm. I passed the bill over competing bills from the Lieutenant Governor at the time, Governor Dewhurst. But it never really was implemented in schools until after we started to see Uh, real issues in Texas. Yeah, now Uh, we've had Santa Fe and we've also had Uvalde. After Santa Fe, the governor uh, made it it, the number one plan for Texas. And now after Uvalde, same thing. So now what is now the school marshal plan is in a significant number of schools, where when I wrote it, it was only in a handful of schools. And that's one of those areas where, again, you know, having made a difference like that, to me, I really miss. um, But I don't miss the... Uh, the, the raw fisticuffs of of politics. So you never, ever running again. Well, it'll be a long time uh-huh. uh, if if I do run again. I tried to run for mayor of Dallas. That didn't go so well. So my wife says it's time for me to make uh, money for our kids so I go to college. Uh, so that's what I'm going to do for right now. That's a good plan. JV, always glad to have you, man. You
0: You educate us all the time, even with vocabulary words.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's an honor to be here. Thank you for uh, having this vivid discussion, and you know, thanks to like people like the Texas, uh, uh, what's the name of the group that's helping us now, Texas Business Law Foundation. They've been great uh, in helping us to put together some really good talking points on this. And I do think we're going to see a bill pass, and I think this will be a part of the Texas economy in the next, uh, you know, three to five years. So hey, Exciting so times.
0: Before we let you go, let me ask you politics: Is Abbott going to run for the White House, Governor Abbott?
2: You know, I think it's shaping up so that Abbott is going to be in in the conversation. I know he's going head-to-head with DeSantis right now. DeSantis seems to be picking up the large checks. Uh, So I think if there's a a uh, second-tier number of candidates after Trump, I mean, Trump's clearly a front-runner for Republicans now. It'll be be DeSantis and Abbott. And whether or not Abbott decides to to move forward with that, I mean, it remains to be seen. I think he wants to get through this session, continue to be successful in what he's done. I mean, he had a great... Uh, session last year and he's he did very well in the campaigns much better than I think people imagine. Uh, he's raised a lot of money and I think if he passes bills like business courts and water infrastructure and uh, filling the, filling in the electricity grid, I think we're gonna. I think he's gonna be strong going into the next cycle. My fifth last
1: question is: uh, We we saw a lot of red meat last legislative session for the, the Republican base. Do you think we see a similar thing in this session, or do you think it moderates a little bit more?
2: I think it's going to be about the same. You know, the the Republican primary voters need their red meat, um, and the Republican establishment, which is funny because the establishment back in my day were. You know, moderate Republicans like me, but the establishment now is the the Tea Party Trump-style Republicans. They, you know, they have to feed that base, the red meat. So without having some really red meat bills like the transgender bill and some other bills out there, uh, I think they're going to be uh, have a have a tough time going back home. So you're going to see some of those bills, and they'll pass. Um, but you know, look, as long as we get things like water and electricity and Jobs, the economy taken care of, uh, people will continue to vote Republican, uh, and, and and I think the Republicans will remain strong. But if they abandon those bread and butter issues solely for the red meat, I think that's a bad a bad approach.
0: And we'll have you on again to talk about that, man. We always talk to you about electoral issues. I'm curious what you think about Ted Cruz and how this thing's going to shape shape up. But we'll uh, save that for another podcast, man. Always always
1: glad to have you, Jason. Thanks for coming. We need to go so you you guys can eat. I've already finished mine. Hey, y'all, the conversation doesn't stop here. Find us on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Eolitics.